you're listening to Not So Live from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein, and I swear I am not a masked killer waiting inside your attic for you to be alone so I can take you out. Uh, with me, as always, in the booth is, of course... Your horror buddy, Mike. How you doing? <laughs> we are today covering the Scream series, which is a series I've wanted to discuss before, but up until now, without fans of horror movies, it was hard to find people who I could chat about this series with. But I really like the Scream series, like legitimately like it. Um, and it's mostly based on the power of the first, fifth, and sixth movies, which is strange to say, but like that first movie did so much for the slasher genre. It had a lot of goodwill carried with it until it finally got good again. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. You know, it, I remember seeing it, you know, when I was a kid, like way mm-hmm. too young again to be seeing this kind of horror movie. Uh, my, my, my father-in-law got like bootleg VHS of it and I used to watch it when I was a kid it was so good and uh-huh. like it really did kind of like reinvigorate the, mm-hmm. the slasher franchise in the 90s for like a whole new generation it's fantastic it did it um because I mean the slasher genre had gotten played out that's I mean that's a fair way to put it yeah. uh, the, the, the likes of Freddy becoming way too comical especially in like Freddy's dead um mm-hmm. Jason with Jason takes Manhattan <laughs> most of those yeah. i mean the halloween series wasn't really good past the first couple and i yeah. as, as we've done the podcast i debate whether or not the first couple were both good <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think what made those good was you know the director and yeah. you know the, the minimalistic simplicity of it is what yeah. made them timeless but are yeah. they really good movies i mean as, as a whole the yes the first yeah. one's good the first one first one is prime slasher and i think that's that's why i like that one and why I like Scream is they're very individual movies uh, that help to define a genre. And then unfortunately, in both cases, the genre played itself out very quickly. In the case of Halloween, uh, which spun mm-hmm. off of a not entirely slasher movie, uh, Black Christmas, which was itself growing out of the Italian giallo or giallo <laughs> or however the hell you pronounce it. I'm not going yeah. it up. Um, the, that, that movie defined a genre that then the likes of its own series and all the other slashers really played out hard and overdid. And in the case of Scream, it was this self-aware, cool 90s teen slasher that was written by Kevin Williamson, and then Kevin Williamson couldn't even keep it going. And just the genre very quickly played itself out with the likes of not just Scream's, and I know what you did, which I think the yeah, I know what you did last summer series did more damage to the genre than anything else. Um, yeah, but like good. <laughs> Valentine, which I think is a shitty, fun movie, but the emphasis there is on shitty, and yeah. so many others like that. So yeah, yeah, a lot of these films, like you, you go into them, you know, expecting what you're going to expect—a body count, some comedy, and yep. you know, maybe some gore, or whatever. What, what Scream really gives you, though, is, like, good story. There's plot. There's character development. You really feel for them at the end. It's not like you don't care. And let's face it. The reveal there at the end of that first movie was epic. No one saw that coming at the time. It works. It, it takes the idea that was inherent in Black Christmas, which was mm-hmm. they don't know who the killer is. They, they don't know why the killer is killing. The killer is just there. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, you honestly never really get an explanation in Black Christmas about why the killer is doing what he does, but you get a fake reveal. And mm-hmm. I think taking that and extrapolating it out and creating an idea that you don't know who the killer is, but you'll find out at by the end really changed the genre up in a way that very few other slash movies from the 80s and 90s had been able to do 
up to that point. It gave you an emphasis. It gave you something to shoot toward, a goal mm-hmm. for the story. And the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, the killers were motivated by Sydney's mom being, well, a cheater who cheated with the other guy's, like, dad or something and caused this whole mm-hmm. thing. It's, like, when you look, sit back and go at the, at the think of the movie afterwards, you're like, wow, the story of the first one is basically just a couple of incel douche bros deciding to kill people. But it worked in the moment. And it motivated yeah. the characters. And I liked that. And you got real development for all the characters. Like, when Tatum dies... You feel yeah. bad for her, like in a way that you don't with the mindless campers of the Friday the Thirteenth series, you know? Yeah, I mean, even start at the beginning. Like I remember, they were doing a lot of promotional with Drew Barrymore at the time, and mm-hmm. you know, you see her in the beginning of the movie, and then ten minutes in, she's dead. Yep. And Drew Barrymore was like, you know, she was the biggest name in that movie at the time. You know, I think you know, aside from maybe Courtney Cox with some you know Friends appeal and whatnot, but you know, she was a very well known you know, child actress growing up to be a star and she's dead. And then you're stuck like, wow, didn't see that one coming. Okay, sure. Let's let's also take a moment to pause and discuss the fact that of all of the quote unquote friends from that TV show, the only mm-hmm. one to grow out and have a new successful franchise that has lasted at all was Courtney Cox in the Scream series. <laughs> I know, you know, she hits herself <laughs> to the correct wagon there. You saw a lot of these other guys try and, you know, a couple of successes for some of them here and there. But I mean, if not the the staying power of almost, you know, 30 years right now, almost mm-hmm. right now with this franchise been going on strong. So it's really quite incredible, you know, that it's lasted this long. I mean, we talked about the, the longevity of these kind of franchises mm-hmm. before, but but this one in itself is just very unique. Like, you know, Freddie, you know who Freddie is. Michael, you know the Michael's coming for you. You know, Jason, you know Jason's coming for you. You know it's Ghostface, but you don't really know who Ghostface yeah. is. And that's the whole point. So if we if we look at the series, uh, and I think that's 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 important to do here is normally I would grouse about building too much mythology, and the, except for the Chucky series, which has taken its mythology and gone gonzo with it, and that's kind of like, <laughs> in a gleeful way. Right. But in this particular instance, the mythology building actually works really well for the series because mm-hmm. it's important to it. The movies interlock it by and large uh, mm. in a way that helps to build their mythology, and they use the mythology to an advantage. Like, Sydney and her friends keep getting stalked by this slasher killer. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, to your point about how there's no big stars in here, we basically have Skeet Ulrich, who was, like, independent actor guy, a, yeah. the chick from Party of Five, one of the friends, and one of the lesser Arquettes. That's our cast. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong, I like him. But he's mm-hmm. the lesser Arquette. So, at the time. That's a fair oh, way to describe it. It is, it is. Um, but among all of them, like we get these no-name quote-unquote actors who have mm-hmm. to sell the movie based just on its story, and then because of the fact that this movie puts such an emphasis on story and its mythology for why these two guys decide to kill people and everything else, the other movies then have to follow up on that and use mythology as a motivational point for the films. Some of them do mm-hmm. better than others. I think Scream 2 got too far up its own ass, and Scream 4 is so disconnected from any idea of the mythology that it doesn't work. But most of the movies that work, work because they play into the story of the series. Yeah, I agree. And the second one had, you know, it it, kind of like, you know, reversed um, 
you know, Jason Voorhees thing with the mother coming back at the end, being mm-hmm. the killer for what happened to the son. And, you know, and, you know, it was part two instead of part one, like it was with Friday the 13th series. Um, But like with, what always got me, like I thought, the, you know, we'll have to do a separate show, talk like Ghostface itself, because I got opinions on like who the best Ghostface is and all that. Like sure. we could definitely talk about that. Sure. Um, but like the the reveal at the end there was just it wasn't the same kind of impact as the first one. It tried, you know, it bringing did. back the mother, but it was eh, all right. It was fine. Um, and then you know the the third one tries to tie kind of like the first two movies together with like you know the director long lost half brother being like mm-hmm. the reason why you know this whole thing was orchestrated. You know, in the in the beginning he sent you know Stu and and Billy to go and kill the mother from this self righteous you know just depression that he felt by not having her in his life or whatever. It just, it got really bizarre fast. Like, I guess I buy the motive, but I mean, look at what, you know, Billy and Stu said in the beginning, what makes it scary is no motive. And yeah. I think that's kind of what they forgot a bit about with trying to tie those first three together. Well, and I mean, the first movie gave motivation for Billy and actually it made him scarier because you could like, there's Skeet Ulrich played him with sociopathic, like boldness when he started going into why he was killing why, yeah. why he, why he felt the need to kill everyone because Sydney's mother decided to sleep with his father and broke up the marriage with his mom. It's, it's an okay motivation. It makes sense for an eighteen-year-old, I guess, is yeah. the way I look at it. Although mm-hmm. I think Stu had the better motivation, peer pressure. He just thought <laughs> ki- killing would be fun, and he got caught up in it. And that's it, like to a certain extent, certain characters in each of the movies have that. Um, mm-hmm. Like the art student played by Justified Timothy Oliphant in the second one. Uh, yeah, I know his character has a name, but he's justifies Ch- Timothy Oliphant. That's all I can think about. So <laughs> that's who he is. Um, and then the sister from Roseanne. Uh, no, but like <laughs> he was just. Oh my in god! It. it is. You're right. It I is. Totally the Lori Metcalf is the sister you're from right. Roseanne. Yeah. No. Oh my god! You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, he he's in it just for the the thrill the thrill kill the 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 enjoyment of it and yeah. He wanted the trial. He wanted mm-hmm. the notoriety. You know, he wanted the fame with came with being discovered as the killer. To finish his movie, which is, you know, a proper in real life slasher flick. Uh, right, but right. The, as you said, the mom was killing because her son was killed and she wanted revenge. So there's always that mm-hmm. thread. I, I kind of mm-hmm. liked the third one for what it did, which was more of like a joyful little dumb exploration of like Hollywood and because the stab movies had been started up by the second film, like their their mm-hmm. in universe adaptation of the scream story, like having a movie set on a stab set was just really funny to me. Like it's a movie within a movie, and then everyone dies, and it's it's, it's, it's at least a creative idea that changed things up. Plus, only having one killer made the movie feel different in a way. It did, you know. He it's the only film with a solo ghost face, uh, and mm-hmm. we'll touch a little bit more on some of the other films that came after it since then. Um, but like, what what really made it, you know, you said a phrase before that kind of sticks with me. It's this the self awareness of the franchise itself mm-hmm. to kind of you know draw on you know little things to get the the audience to buy in and really appreciate the story. You know, the the talking about the the in universe movie that's taking place because of what happened in this universe to like play off of what is it. It's like, you know, a seven layer dip inception of just movie just just interwovenness that like is really just written well. And it's they're good stories. I mean, I like them for what they are. They're fun to watch and you know they're movies I've seen multiple times and I'll watch them whenever they come on TV. Sure. Heck yeah. I think the weakest of the set is the fourth one. Like, I don't like the second one a lot. I think it's 
too much of a weird retread, and it even knows it's kind of a weird retread. But mm-hmm. the fourth one just feels unnecessary. Uh, and <laughs> Sydney goes back to town, and for some reason, people are dying because in the end, it's revealed her cousin's a thrill killer who wants to be the next Sydney. Like, yeah, like it didn't work on its own. Although the proposed fifth movie that would have followed from this this thing that was supposed to be a trilogy starter could have been interesting. Like. Sydney dies, the cousin takes over, but she's both the killer and the final girl. That's at least a creative idea. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't think that, like, even if it didn't work because the, the fourth movie was just bad. It, it, it had its moments, I think, um, and why I want to do a separate talk about ghost faces and whatnot. I think as a ghost face itself, Jill was actually quite good. Uh, with the way she manipulated uh, her partner throughout the whole movie, getting him to do most of the heavy lifting for her. And I think she... Her motive, I guess, makes sense, you know, wanting the fame and notoriety because all she heard about was her cousin, you know, growing up and, you know, Sydney this, Sydney that, like she said. But it's, I mean, for this franchise, it felt like a bit of a stretch for plot. Um, But but I do appreciate, you know, the the acting job and and the reveal of the cousin being the killer. I I didn't see it coming. I thought, you know, I had suspicions of the Colkin brother, uh, but didn't think that the cousin was the other one. And she's, I thought, one of the better ghost faces, in my opinion, as a whole. But the story, eh, I got it. If I'm picking the weakest one out of the six so far, I agree. This is probably it. I think that's my problem was I was kind of pegged on the cousin almost from the beginning. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you go into these movies and you're immediately analyzing, like, who is it going to be? Who's going to be the killer? Ooh, wouldn't it be interesting <laughs> if this was? And I think when I was watching it early on, I got this vibe that wouldn't it be a, a, a dumb twist if the cousin was the killer all along? And it kept mm-hmm. ringing in my head and everything I was watching was like, well, the cousin could have done this or her boyfriend and over uh-huh. and over again. And then at a certain point, I was just like, yeah, it's the cousin. Before even the reveal <laughs> happened, I'm like... It's the cousin, and I actually kind of feel let down because it was almost too obvious to me. Because I'm overanalyzing. You know, I'm, it's it's not that it was an obvious kill, but it was. I'm in my overanalyzing brain of going through these. I'm like, yeah, it's the cousin, isn't it? Oh my god. So. <laughs> I was uh, I was on Hayden Panettiere's character for quite a bit of the movie, and then when when she caught it at the end, uh, Kirby, I was like, oh, okay. So I I was on this, but I thought they were maybe in it together, and this was an act, but no, it wasn't her. So yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty good, um, yeah. you know, as far as a movie goes, but definitely the weakest one of the mm-hmm. franchise. And then a hiatus uh, from that one, 2011 uh, to most recently 2022 was yeah, they the, had to the take second a break. recent. Yeah, yeah they and, had to take and... a break because that one was bad. And also Wes Craven <laughs> died. Uh, so, yeah. like, he was supposed to spearhead the next trilogy. Uh, and then that movie bombed and he didn't come back for a while. And then he died. And you kind of got the vibe that they were letting the series rest for a while out of respect. Right. So right. it was his franchise. He, he'd done all of them up through four. So mm-hmm. like even more than Kevin Williamson, who basically stopped being invited back after the second movie bombed, uh, right, well, not right. bombed, but wasn't as like critically successful. Um, yeah. but like his idea for the third one was kind of half used and half tossed out as was the fourth. But like, there was a lot of rewrites with that too. Like, I mean, I, there was a lot. Like, they were rewriting stuff sometimes the day they were shooting because of like a leak of script and whatnot that was yep. going on. Like, it was there was a lot to make that movie uh, have some real difficulties. So, you know, they did a good job pulling it together and getting it made. But I know it probably was not their first incarnation of what their vision was. Yeah, but after that hiatus and a not long enough break, which is something I tend like I've pitched here with you and with others is 
sometimes you just need to let a franchise rest for a while. And in this particular instance, they brought in a new team to work on the new movie, uh, Mm -hmm. Fresh Number 5. And while in some ways it's not fresh, fresh, it basically does the same thing the fourth one. Let's go back to the original town and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. It has a fresh energy and really good kills and a cool vibe to it. And I think instead of tying everything to Sydney, who's there, but it's not tied to her, they tie it back to um, Billy by having Mm -hmm. his daughter be the final girl who keeps getting chased around by these guys. And it's not entirely creative. I mean, we're, we're spoiling all these movies, and this is a new one, but we're spoiling all of them. So, like, If, you, if her, you're listening to this, you've probably seen them. You've probably seen it, or hey, maybe stop now and go watch it and then come back. Uh, yeah. I don't feel bad spoiling Time the first this. four. Like, yeah, Timestamp no. this. Exactly. I don't feel bad spoiling the first four because they're old enough and there's a statute of limitations in my head. But yeah. the fifth and the sixth are new enough that if you really care about spoilers, then go watch them now and then come back. Right, right at this point, just pause this, go, and then come back. And now that you're back, and we appreciate you coming back, <laughs> Yeah, um, thanks. Yeah, the fact that her boyfriend is one of the two killers, and of course, it's two again, because there's always two, except for yeah. one movie, and then mm-hmm. the other movie that we're going to talk about in a sec, but her boy, her boyfriend and his the, his girlfriend, his real girlfriend, uh, mm-hmm. and that they're just basically thrill killers caught up in the franchise. Like, I don't hate it. It almost right. has this, like, um, true crime killer, people getting, like, inspired by a podcast or something and deciding that they want to be the next ones because it's cool. Like, right. at least it doesn't tie everything together about Billy Loomis and the constant need for revenge from him or over Sydney's mom. That's like, it's a fresh angle, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and there was really nice, um, you know, bringing back the legacy characters. Like, you know, there, there's people that are synonymous with this franchise. You know, mm-hmm. Courtney Cox and Ev Campbell and David Arquette. Like, they are what Scream was. So, bringing them back, like, you know, you feel like, okay, yeah, the the the, the old crew's back together. You know, minus Randy who died long ago. You know, it's just these three, and they're they're always going to make it through together. And then, uh, my they they did my man right. But I mean, you, you do gotta kind of feel that uh, that Dewey is no longer with us in that franchise. I know, but at least by this point, it's Nev Campbell of Scream and mm-hmm. David Arquette of Scream and Courtney Cox of Cougar Town. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> girl has had quite the career when you go back yeah. and look at her. Actually, she did. Yeah. She did well by the friends, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, what a what a death to to give yes. to a character who has made it through so much and you're thinking you know he he has that hero moment of you know going back and they're like why who cares he's like i care because you know that's dewey you know dewey yeah. cares yep. and he goes back and the the distraction from the cell phone call from gail and the stab and you're like oh he's been through this before this will be okay and then the second knife comes in you're like okay he's been through this before and then they start ripping up and you're yeah. like oh no, it's not. oh this is not going well. And then I, I do love the line that, that uh, Amber was the one who killed him. Give it of this is an honor at the end as she pulls the blades out because mm-hmm. like even them as fans making their movie uh, could respect and appreciate who these characters were in this universe. So I thought that was a nice touch. Sad to see Dewey go, uh, but he got the death that he deserved. Well, and it's, it's, it's a good death coming halfway into the movie, not just for the character, 
But it also finally shows that there's no plot armor for some of these characters. Like, you <laughs> you can't trust that anyone's going to live. Like, they would say, oh, you know, anyone can die. But then right. Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox and David Arquette kept coming back. With yeah. When his character dies, you really can't trust that they're all going to survive. Thus, when in the sixth movie, the only returning character at that point, because Nev Campbell refused to come back, uh, when mm. Courtney Cox's character gets attacked again, you're like, mm -hmm. oh my god, she actually could die this time. And even when she gets saved and taken off by the ambulance, you're still sitting there going, yeah, but she really could die from these wounds. Like, right. Dewey died. You can't trust anything now. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you talked about, like, how the, that, that kind of removed the plot armor for a lot of these characters. And it's true, it did. But then, you know, I have some debate and questions about the ability for some of these new characters to get stabbed and kind of make it okay. out. I'm unscathed. glad you said that. The, bro <laughs> the, 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 the twins, the, the Meeks yeah. twins. Yeah. Uh, and it's not the girl. The girl only gets stabbed a couple times, and they're mild stabs. And, like, you can tell that they're keeping her alive because they want to. But the right. brother, and she's a good character too. She she, she really brings energy and and yeah. explanation and exposition to the movies that she's you kind of need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the brother has taken more goddamn damage than like fucking Jason Voorhees. Okay, yeah. and somehow the fucker keeps surviving, and that is <laughs> a real stretch. Like the body count counter keeps ticking up, and mm -hmm. then forcibly ticking back down. Because that yeah. guy somehow gets saved by paramedics, even though he's bled out for like thirty minutes. Like how? How, how dude? How? I, I thought he was goner in the fifth movie right? when he got God at the party. I'm like, right? oh damn, the brother. But he survives, oh, and I'm like, no. okay, okay, it's a bit of a, a bit of a Dewey situation. We're gonna keep this guy around, and then he, you know, turns out to be Tara's love interest in this movie. So you're like, okay, that's maybe a little more plot armor, and and then you know he gets double team by dual ghost face stabbing blade motions and i mean maybe because it was you know what we won't reveal the killers just yet but maybe because it wasn't the the, the main ghost face their their knife wounds were shallow no but I, it's it's i agree it's, with you he shouldn't have lived i felt like that yeah. was a massive cheat that yeah. was plot armor through and through mm -hmm. yeah but I did like the sixth movie for a number of things. For one, I, I didn't hate the new location. Moving things to NYC at least gave the film a different energy to it. Right, um, right. I liked the goriness of it. It was a scarier movie with a lot more in the way of actual solid kills. Up there with like, yeah. the first movie in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. And then the reveal of the killers. The fact that it wasn't two, but three. Which, I'm going to tell you again, I kind of had figured out. Because um, it, like, it, it's a... So we talk about plot armor for the twin, the boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's also a weird killer plot armor because, and again, spoilers, so make sure you've seen the sixth movie. The, mm -hmm. the, the killer is uh, revealed to be the father of the killer from the fifth movie and mm -hmm. his two other children. Um, yeah. And somehow one of them is fake killed, but he's able to swap a body with them and the paramedics don't realize it. And I'm sitting there going, I... I, this feels like a bit of a stretch to keep the third killer alive. Like, I mean, I, I guess like, you know, they're trying, you know, he says like, you know, I'm a police officer. I, I just had to switch the body out. And I guess like not enough time has passed for the coroner to actually identify like, Hey, this isn't uh, who you said it was. What's going on here? Like it's, a, I guess the timeline is really kind of just like, yeah, at best, like maybe there's just hours passing instead of days. I don't know. I, I don't remember how many sunrises and sunsets there were, but there wasn't. It was this. It was the next morning. It's like 
it's like while well, his two kids were or one kid or whoever was off killing which it had mm-hmm. to be it had would have had to have been the brother in this fake scenario I'm setting up but if like right. the one kid was off fake killing his sister uh the other guy was like upstairs in a different apartment tee hee hee killing a, a like a neighbor and then he just decides to drag their body in like a bag down prop them up and be like there you go there's a body like yeah. it, 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 it it's it requires a lot of weird prep work that doesn't make sense. It's a good misdirect until you start mm. thinking about it. Yeah, and and like the movie you really you can feel a bit of like, you know, the Star Wars vibe from this second, you know, air quote trilogy we got going on right here. Like like Scream Five really kinda like went back to the roots of the original Scream with the, you know, the the the, the villain being the boyfriend and, and whatnot. The story was different, but the same idea there. And this one took a lot from the second one with the killer being the father instead of the mother this time. So I wasn't the hugest fan <laughs> of that reveal. Like, I mean, it's it's fine. Revenge is always a great motive. I get it. Um, and I, I do think that the father was the one who did some of the more vicious kills, like yeah. in the bodega and whatnot. It just makes sense that he was the one to do that. Um, but it just... It, Three of them, okay, fine. A family of killers, all right, sure. But the, the believability that they could pull this off, even in Hollywood for a movie, was a bit of a stretch. It's a bit. It's a bit. I don't debate that. Um, but I think it worked. Like it, it kind of worked for me in context. And there was a detail I really liked, which is mm-hmm. the three of them are different heights. And if you pay mm-hmm. attention to the killers, like I started doing back in like the third movie, uh, mm-hmm. and pay attention to their heights, whether or not they had the actual actors do it or they had stunt doubles to do it, they matched the killers to the heights of the three characters so that you could tell who did what kill in the context of the settings. Oh, very unique. Okay. Yeah, I did not catch that the first way through, but that makes a lot of sense. There were uh, two killers that appeared, the two ghost faces that appeared in Courtney Cox's character's apartment, Gail's apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked, and they were different heights, which indicates that like at least the daughter was one of the two killers in that scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like... I liked that detail, and there were certain details like that that I liked. I think my biggest disappointment with that movie, and I, I'm sure I mentioned this to you before, and I've mentioned it on the website, um, mm-hmm. is the fact that the opening of the movie almost promises a different kind of scream. The yes. the, 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 te- the the teacher who's uh, the the samurai weaving from mm-hmm. Ready or Not, among other things, she's Agent Smith's daughter. That's how I always think of her. But um, <laughs> she gets offed by a couple of her students who, like, they, they wear the ghost face mask, they kill her, there's a lot of taunting and referencing and so forth. Standard scream. But then, right. as soon as she's dead, the killer takes his mask off, and you suddenly know who the killer is. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, well, this just changed the whole fucking movie for once. Now I'm going to be watching it going, how does he interact with them? How are they going to figure out it's him? When will they figure out it's, it's him? Like, for a good right. 15 minutes there, I had this, like, real Jones going, and then the new ghost faces get killed, by a different set of ghost faces, and I'm like, oh well, we just we just threw that in the trash, and uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was like the subverting the subversion of the subversion, like from Too what was it, Scream Three, I think it was, that had that whole like interaction at the beginning where there was just kill after kill after kill, or was it Scream Four? It was Scream Four, the Scream beginning 4. where it was like you know this this group of friends dies, and then this group of friends die. Oh, the movie's not start. Okay, the movie's actually starting, and then it's and not this, starting yet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of got that same sort of vibe. I think it was much more well done uh, here. And but I, I recognize the uh, the voice of the character too. Like I knew it was the dude from um, you know, Flash Thompson from yeah. the Spider Man. I'm like, uh-huh. I know that voice. What's he from? And then when I saw him, I'm like, oh, 
oh, that's hit. Oh, okay. So they, they even kind of gave you the voice without yeah. the modulation in the beginning. I'm like, oh, this is like really cool. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and then it, it went right back to, you know, Great. yeah, being screamed, which was fine. You know, like that's you fine. said, the brutality of the kills in this were, were very good. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of really good death in this, um, you know, f- from a horror standpoint. But you, they had, I'm not saying an opportunity to do something different, but you, you, now you kind of ruin that idea if you decide you want to make a movie out of yeah, that. You can't bit. do it now. No, you've, yeah. you've taken the idea and you've wasted it on, admittedly, an intriguing opening act. Sure. But it's an opening act you can never do. And now the plot is over with and we're just back to bog standard screams. Good mm. bog standard screams. Five and six are definitely up there with number one for how they've handled the content and the characters yeah. and the story development. Yeah. Um, there's more investment in the characters in six, even the ones that are obviously fodder. Than you've right. got in previous movies. They at least feel like more than just cookie cutter thrown in people to just be there. Unlike yeah. four. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, adding to the body count, you know, by our publicist who now has to die or whatever. Like, you know, it's fine. Yeah. But I mean, can you imagine the movie if Flash Thompson, because that's who he is, uh, went yeah. back to his apartment and they showed you the other killer and then the two of them go off to a party and then you see the main characters, and then like throughout the course of the movie, these two guys are flitting in the background or mm-hmm. hanging out with them at dinner or other stuff, and you're sitting there going, okay, now I know which one is with these guys at any particular time. Right. Uh, like They're establishing alibi even as they're killing. I'm intrigued to piece together their timeline now. This is interesting, but we didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't get that. We're never going to we get that. Get and that's, yeah. yeah. It, it is sad, but I mean, the movie itself was good. Um, mm-hmm. The re-reveal of Kirby's character was good because, yep. uh, you know, it was kind of left ambiguous at the end of the fourth movie. Yep. Did she die? Did she not die? Um, Apparently and she's she... got a little bit of Meek's blood in her because she yeah. fucking survive yeah. anything. <laughs> um, you know, as as the, the resident horror expert at the time, doesn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we have to have that angle in there. Um, but I mean, it was a, it was a good story. And, you know, mm-hmm. the little twist at the end with the, you know, the, the father saying it was Kirby, but it wasn't Kirby. And then the redirect that it was the family. That was and, good. You know, that shooting was good. Kirby. It was good. Um, mm-hmm. And overall, it, it was just a very, very solid movie. And I, I do like the, you know, you know that the first one through one, two, three was Scream. It's, it's Nev Campbell. It's, it's, you know, it's her story. I like how they're kind of doing this second half here as almost Stu's leg or, or Billy's legacy, mm-hmm. you know, with his daughter kind of, you know, repressing those feelings of, you know, killing that she probably gets from her father. You know, she's, she, she's killing in defense, but she's liking it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing that I think works for the killers in this particular instance. She's Billy's daughter. She feels the need to kill. Tara doesn't feel the need to kill because Billy wasn't her father. She had right. a different father. They're half sisters. But mm-hmm. uh, Sam is Billy's daughter. She feels mm-hmm. the need to kill because she inherited that quote unquote from him. The mm-hmm. the her boyfriend in the fifth movie, and then this family of killers are all related, and by the same transitive property that made Billy's uh, homicidal genes pass on to Sam, because mm-hmm. the cop character who's revealed to be the main killer of six wants to kill her. You get the yeah. idea that the the kids he has have also inherited his desire for homicide. So yeah. while you are right, it doesn't really make sense in real world, like t- genetics or anything of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. Nature versus nurture and all that, it at least works in the context of what the films are setting up as their mythology. And and you like the little little snippets of getting um, Stu 
uh, to do the little things here and there, like po- or uh, Billy popping up to yep. um, give her little pieces of advice or whatnot and everything. Like it's just overall just really, really good, um, really well written uh, story. And I, I yeah. believe I believe that that would be their interaction if they were to actually be in a room together, which I yeah. think is pretty. No, cool. I, I buy it. If he was to have survived in, the, in an ultimate timeline, like a parallel timeline, uh, and was to have had Sam, which of course Sam was born. Uh, after he died, but still he impregnated someone to create this, which, I mean, that's a little an odd, odd detail right there, but we let that go so that we can have her in the movie. <laughs> um, you get the vibe that he would have raised her to be a killer just like him. So, right. yeah, it works. It works. I, I don't hate it. It's a nice way to bring back Skeet Ulrich in the role, who, honestly, he had the most charisma as a cold-blooded killer of any of the killers we've gotten. It works. Yeah. Yeah, and when we do the the Ghostface uh, rankings at some point, you know, there, there's a reason why the original is always, you know, imitated and never duplicated. We'll leave it at that. Yep. So, no, yeah, I think this is a series that, among all of its brethren, the I Know What You Did, the Urban Legends, that's another one from that era, mm-hmm. uh, Valentine, the the newer Prom Nights and everything else. Like, there was a lot of slashers that came up in the screen move, fucking two of the Halloweens, for that matter. Uh, this is the one series that managed to find staying power and stay alive. I mean, there is a part of the franchise we didn't talk about, which is the television show, which no one gives a shit about, why would they? Um, <laughs> I watched two seasons of it, and I was thoroughly disappointed. Let's just let's just leave it at that. But, like, for this movie franchise, this is the one that, of all of its brethren, that had the right staying power. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I guess with that, this has been Not So Live from Asteroid G. Put on your ghost face masks and go to kill it. But, you know, don't, because, you know, there's a general warning you shouldn't do that. Um, I'm Mike Finkelstein. With me was, of course... Your buddy Mike the Horror Guy. And we will see you next time. Okay, so what is your ranking of the ghost faces? Oh, so, um... You know, we can go on down the line with it sure, when when, sure. we, when we do that little show. But I mean, my top. Well, do you want to do it as a show, or we could just do it now? I mean, we could do it as a show. We, we can. I need a little more prep time to get my list up and look at it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there's... I've I've got to collate my notes. 